I don't know you, but I often wonder why horror is not taught in schools, why at home we don't actually incentivate our children to read more horror, to read ghost stories. And sometimes, or more often than not, we find them reading these books on their own account and we start recommending them other things, but never horror. If you've ever wondered this, this is what I want to talk to you about today. I want to elaborate on a few points why I, should, why I think that children should actually be introduced to horror at early ages and what is it that we're doing actually quite wrong at home and in the schools. If you're ready for this video today, this is for you, my friend. Gothic friend, this is Alice and you are in Gothic land, a place where your soul meets its true self. Welcome again to this section, you are Gothic and you don't know it, this video podcast, this weekly video podcast where I tell you all about Gothic literature, about uh, we create awareness about the Gothic and I help you discover your own identity. This way you can actually go and find, go in these corners uh, of yourself in these dark spaces to realize maybe what you're missing, facing your fears and to know more about yourself, which is always good. So today I want to talk about why I think uh, horror books are not read enough in schools, they're not read enough at home. The same goes for uh, films, videos, uh, shows, when it comes down to kids. But before I start detailing to you all the different sections, uh, the, the areas I'm going to cover today, let me just remind you that you already have access. If you go to my gothicalice.com website, you already have access to a free PDF that can actually help you uh, um, with your glossary, with your expressions, with your vocabulary, every time you're reading a book or when you're watching your TV series. This is aimed to second language learners, but it can also be a very good tool for native speakers. If you want to track down, if you want to keep record of expressions, of characters, of profiles, and anything that you can imagine, even I encourage you to do little summaries about your chapters, your episodes, a series that you really like. It's just like a journal. It's personalized. I made it myself last year and is, as I said, it's a free PDF. It's called guide to try your newly acquired lexicon from your favorite books and, and series. It's bilingual for those who are learning English and, and Spanish. Yep. And it's a great tool for you to, as I said, to keep track of your own glossaries. You don't have to carry around massive dictionaries and, and you have to keep checking your phone all the time. Very good. So today, Today I want to talk about a uh, reference to where we left it the other day and uh, the other day I was telling you about all the books that I read last year in 2021 that helped me with my critical thinking and I took you through the different steps there of I told you about uh, the different books I read and 
I started telling you about the aspects that helped me with my critical thinking at the time. And I left a book behind and I didn't do that on purpose. And I think that was uh, because I was thinking adult readings and I wasn't thinking about the kids. But the truth is that last year in one of my English groups, uh, a kids group that I have, that I had then and that I still have this year, uh, we always like reading these books uh, once a year or, or text when I encounter something that goes well with the class, with what we're doing at the moment. And uh, I came across um, this author book, this book, this wonderful book that we read together, The Old One in the Sea by Lex A. Jones. And I didn't actually talk about this book last day, last, last video, and I'm kind of sorry, but at the same time I thought, oh well, in fact it's not that bad that I kind of forgotten uh, about it because it deserves its own space. It's a book that we need to talk about it um, separately because it's for kids. It's horror for kids. This book was printed by the Sinister Horror Company. Kids um, is not the first place where it was published, but uh, J.R. Park and Lex decided to collaborate and they got this wonderful book out. So why did I like this book? Why did I choose this? Well, I chose this book at the time for different reasons, from a linguistic point of view, uh, because I thought it was not bad to read, it was easy to, eat, to read. If you can see, it's very spacious, the paragraphs are nice, um, you know, visually it's nice. Uh, also because it has lovely, the lovely illustrations that I talked about this before, in fact, I interviewed Lex and uh, Liam. Um, back in July, I interviewed them about the book. So if you want to go and watch that video in detail, that interview, go there because it's it's there. You can see the authors and the illustrator, and it was a fantastic. We had a really good time. So linguistically, I chose this because I thought, okay, we're gonna work on a lot of areas that I want to cover this year, um, and it is great, as I said, because visually it's nice, and this is always a very important aspect as well when kids read but also because I didn't want to be using an adapted book because adapted books I have the problem after many years of teaching the language that they are very small they're very thin uh, it's almost like the kids were stupid I know that the aim is not that I know the aim is to to get them through the level but I often more often than not find out that these books do not really show, uh, show the reality. So if the teacher has done a little bit of work with the kids in class and we're not starting from a zero level, which is the case, these kids already have an elementary pre-intermediate level, they can actually understand, understand quite a lot of the book with the teacher's help. So this is the book that, one of the books that I read last year with the kids in class. They love it, it's not very big either, it's very easy to read. And some of the things that I want to talk to you about today uh, regarding this book is how it benefited my students. How should kids be introduced to horror? I'm going to tell you my opinion on this. And I'm going to tell you what happens to the brain because this is for me very, very important as a teacher, but also as a parent. I have two kids, an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. They're both two boys, they're super crazy and they like horror and they like ghosts and they like ghost stories uh, in different ways. And this is mainly because kids naturally are already prone to liking these kind of things. But also 
because at home, you know, they see me manipulating these books uh, with what certain programs and they are exposed to everything, whether they like it or not. So in a way, they've had this choice that maybe in all the homes, this choice is not there, but we'll get to that. And so when should kids be introduced to horror will be the next point. And the last point, what happens in the schools? What about the schools and how can we actually change things around a little bit? So starting from the first aspect, how this book benefited my students, um, I want to actually start, well, yes, let's go with the language section first, yes? So I'm gonna give you a few points here. So on the first hand, we have that, on the one hand, we have that uh, it enhanced their vocabulary regarding death, um, grief, fear, right? So these points that are so important and they don't really get to be talked about and worked on in, in the classes. Um, I repeat, they worked on grief, loss and fear. So it offers, the book offers a lot of uh, vocabulary, it offers a lot of adjectives, a lot of words that we might not see otherwise unless we are working on a specific text like this. At the time it was also a very good book to use in class and I did that on purpose because one of my students had lost his dad in September, so right at the beginning of the course last year and this was read in July, uh, sorry, in, at the end of the course, so that was um March, April, June and it was good because I felt that I needed and I wanted to help my student to overcome his loss and I wanted to do that uh, not directly, I wanted to do it indirectly, I wanted to help him through a book without mentioning names, without having to say death, without having to say you and your case and your father and how you feel about it. I wanted to work through this in a different way, through his pain in a different way, because I know the kids are smart and kids know how to empathize straight away. And I knew that he was going to go and, and think about his own situation. And I was hoping that this could help him without having to tell everybody, the rest of the class, that that, that was the situation he was um, himself in. So I was creating this empathy between him, um, the rest of the group and the story, what happens to Howard in the story. But I have to say that the old one in the sea is, very good for different reasons. This is one, well, I'll get to that. I, I won't, you know, I tend to get ahead of myself. So the vocabulary, one of the important things. Also, as teachers, we like, uh, sometimes we find very difficult to explain the tenses. So with this book, with this book, we managed to do present tense. We managed to do past simple, present simple. We talked about routine in the past. We also did modal verbs. We did irregular verbs. We touched on conditionals. It was great because it wasn't the, you know, it was all in context. It was all contextualized. So we had everything mixed up and they could see actually how all these tenses happened on in the text and in the way they had to. They also worked on detailed descriptions of landscape, weather, places. Again, there's certain vocabulary, there's certain words that unless you bring them in class, um, well aware of it and on purpose, 
they do not occur in natural circumstances, in natural conversation. And through a book, you can actually go to certain places. And this allowed us to see expressions and vocabulary that we normally do not use in class. Also because a lot of the texts that we have in class, second language learners, they are actually so adapted that we don't get to see anymore. And I always like to give my students the chance to see more difficult vocabulary and leave it, leave it up to them to actually um, uh, get and learn as much as they can. But at least they have the option. I don't want to be one of those teachers that just limit the, um, the possibilities that they, they, they have in front of them. Uh, we also worked on physical descriptions. Don't forget that we have a monster, that we have children, we have people, we have expressions, we have how people are dressed, we have a different time, it's a different um, historical moment, even if it's in fiction, it's set up in a specific year. So that, again, that helped the kids with their physical description and to think about the time that this happened. Mm. Also because it is set up in after the First World War, 1919, we have here that uh, we have a historical context. Again, that's super good because giving them a historical context makes them, uh, you know, you're talking about history without talking about history. The story, the fictional story is contextualized and some kids, if they like history, they might think, mm, I want to learn more about that. And if they not, at least they have that specific moment in time that is based on a true story, even though being fiction is based on a true story, and they can actually go and find out more about that war war or that war. They also, as I said before, uh, with this story, we developed our empathy, mainly because the relationship between uh, Howard and and Ulu, as it's called here, the little green monster Ulu. Uh, you can see already that Ulu is the nice version and is the um, the adapted version of Cthulhu. <laughs> I think it's called Cthulhu. H.P. Lovecraft the reference there, and uh, it's nice. Uh, it was nice to actually see how this relationship and how humans react to monsters and to other things. How this is is actually taken by the hand and how we deal with that in the how the story deals with that part of things so their relationship with Ulu and themselves is actually very nice because it puts them it put them in a situation where if they encounter this creature this monster and how adults react to it you know we have this innocence as well how the adults react to things that they don't know and where fear comes from and how is fear created and how it's fed uh, the story this book deals with that very very well and the kids were really well up for it another thing that um, helped me do in this class was to introduce uh, as I said before, H.P. Lovecraft to them and cosmic horror. And I thought that was wonderful yeah, because um, um, Cthulhu is, um, you know, the stories of Cthulhu and H.P. Lovecraft is, um, is categorized as a cosmic horror writer. And thinking about myself as a child, I didn't have the chance to know H.P. Lovecraft as a kid, I don't even think that it was ever mentioned. And if it was mentioned in any of my books later at university, it wasn't really something that I was 
talked about in detail or mentioned or we never read a book about H.P. Lovecraft. And it's surprising because I got to know about H.P. Lovecraft through the series Supernatural. Uh, a lot of the things I learned from Gothic studies and uh, figures and creatures and, and folklore is thanks to Supernatural. So this year I promise you I'm going to be talking more about it because it's been a great journey um, knowing about the series and then discovering things. But we'll talk about that another day. So they also learned about what we have here as a chapter itself. Fear makes monsters, which is what I was telling you before. How adults, as being adults, they have lost this innocence um, and how they interpret the world. Now, interpretation of the world from a cognitive point of view is very interesting when reading texts because we interpret texts depending on a few factors and this is something that cognitive studies talk about. Um, you know, we have our experience, we bring to the text our experience, our memories, we bring what we have learned, our context, there's so much that we bring to our readings and interpretations that that can create more or less fear as well, or incentivate it a little bit. Uh, so we have this fantastic chapter 10 that talks about fear makes monsters with this wonderful illustration again. And we got the chance then to talk about fear again, which for me is great. It's great because then I was, we were dealing with um, not just the description of feelings and the language and all that, but also about fear. And kids got really, I remember the kids, they got really excited um, because of the moments of when there's descriptions of the rain, the weather outside and, and everything that Howard is feeling and thinking while there's this rain and this storm outside and you know, his imagination starts ticking. And the kids started telling me about what they, thought at that very precise moment and they started telling me about and I remember this program and I know how I felt because this is how I feel when this or that or the other and that led to wonderful conversations which again when we're talking about topics that are a little bit like taboo or they're a little bit that we can't really pin down what it is that we like about them and it's almost like secretively you know something that we we talk about but almost we are kind of afraid even embarrassed to even recognize that we like horror sometimes and it's amazing the, the type of conversations that you can get in class as well laughter uh, learnings people uh, mentioning talking about things that they've seen they start exchanging films and then they go out and they, they invest they investigate further i mean it's fantastic i don't know why it's not done more often as i said before because it's it's fantastic i'm talking from my experience in my experience in the school i didn't get the chance my kids not really and in other parts of the world i don't know i know that in the uk for example um there's more emphasis but i'm not sure up to what extent teachers are allowed or they can or they want to work on horror or the gothic or ghost stories 
So how should kids be introduced to horror? This is the next question. So, and this is very nice because I'm going to read you um, the first, the introduction of this book. And I'm going to put my glasses on because I'm getting old and I can't see. Um, so it, there's an introduction here by um, Jim McLeod. The, he's also known as Jim Genos of Horror. Yeah, go and see him well, and see what he does because he's fantastic. So he has this introduction called blah 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 uh, introduction for the grown-ups and he starts with a question when do we introduce our children to horror and I'm gonna read you oh, there's a bit of shine um, light with my glasses I'm gonna read you the first paragraph of this introduction because that says a lot of the things I want to talk about and and I think it's crucial what Jim uh, says here so this is how the introduction begins. He says, when do we introduce our children to horror? It is a question that many of us ponder over and sometimes even worry over. Not because we are worried about exposing our children to evils of the genre. It is more because in this enlightened era, and this is where I think Jim really gets to the point, we are in this enlightened era where everything has the potential to cause offence and outrage among the chattering classes. We are concerned that our love for the dark genre will be frowned upon by those who do not understand its worth as an art form. Now, there's a lot of information there, a lot of concepts that we could be talking about for hours, but I think that's what it is at the end of the day. I think that um, Jim says that very well here, you know, it's the fears of our generations as well is trying to protect our kids from certain horrors. But the, the thing is that fiction is fiction, but the fiction is taken from reality as well. And by, you know, by, by separating or by not letting our kids go into this space, the horror space, we're actually not doing them any favours. We're actually neglecting them from our folklore, uh, as culture. We're neglecting them of facing fears. Fear is a natural thing of humans. You know, it's, it's another thing. It's, it's another aspect that we, we have that we have to also develop. If we don't fear things, how can we face the real world then? Obviously, everything adapted. I'm not saying to... Put your TV in front of the tele on television with anything there and, and just show them there are levels of horror, there's levels of fear as well. You know, everything adapted, but gradually um, let them choose what they also like. It's healthy. you creating a balanced person. And that's at the end of the day, that's what we all want. We want our kids to be balanced. So why expose kids only to horror and to the gothic and to ghost stories only for Halloween? What's the point? Just look at them when we get to that time of the year, how excited they are. And do that as a, you know, regularly, just expose them to a variety of things, not just horror, for goodness sake, but just a variety of things. So why am I saying this? Because, you know, these questions are triggering our critical thinking. And this is connected to the video that uh, I did last week when we were talking about the books that I read last year that triggered my critical thinking. This is um, it's healthy to 
to actually get them to ask questions. We can watch these things together. They can read these books together. You know, my eldest son is my eldest son has been reading um, Five Nights at Freddy's. I read the first book as well to see what type of horror it was because um, it, it was a little bit advanced for his age at the time. But then I thought, well, let's read it too. He didn't want to read anything else. I mean, we were forcing these readings down his throat and all we were getting was tears and tantrums. And, and I didn't want him to abhor the, uh, the idea of reading in general. So I thought, well, he'll be, he'll mature in due time and he'll choose, you know, I did that too. I, I started reading things uh, from school and then I started being attracted to certain books and to others. So even in my case, I kind of evolved naturally into liking certain readings, uh, but I wasn't forced to anything. Uh, I was bought books that I liked more, more, the, more often than not. So there is an article, um, an article called Should Kids Read Scary Stories? Again, I'm going to read a little bit of a quote here. Um, this article by Joe Ballerini uh, on Medium, says that it's a chance to face their fears reading ghost stories he talks about it's a chance to face their fears because it's a scary world out there especially for children they see stuff we never see and i think scary stories help them understand that it's okay to be afraid of the dark as long as they are brave enough to turn on the lights you know that he's talking about the monster under the bed and all this so what is it that happens in, in our brains when we are exposed to horror? Why is it healthy? Why am I saying all these things that you might be now thinking, well, she's crazy, this woman. But um, again, I'm going to refer to another article. So we have an article here called The Science of Being Scared, Why We Chase, Why we chase the Fear High. And this is written by Gemma White. It's an article... Um, posted on an online paper and if you type the science of being scared while we chase the fear high you will see where it's posted and she refers that to Johanna Richman who's a psychologist at cognitive behavior therapy in Dubai again you know I like my cognition my neuroscience I like to step out on the other fields to explain certain things the gothic needs to be going to those spaces to find out the reasons why again uh, critical thinking is playing its role there so she calls um she talks about dopamine high now we are very familiarized nowadays with dopamine with oxytocin with everybody talks about these ins precisely to talk about our behaviors to to use it to sell more you know in our marketings we like more and more, we're getting more and more into finding out what, how our brains work. So this is not different when we're talking about fear. So she talks about this euphoria activating and she talks about the parasympathetic nervous system that sends a message to the brain. And the message is, this is scary, it's exciting, it's exciting, sorry, but it's scary but it's exciting. So at what point is this fear uh, good or bad well like everything in in balance is everything balance is okay if it's exciting if this fear creates excitement and not chest pains and and um anxiety or and the other side of 
stress, you know, these, these stressful, exciting moments that are going to actually be negative for us. As long as it just creates expectation, then we find we find because we also need that and kids like thrills. So everything at the right level in the right doses. So that's what happens to the brain. So it's a healthy thing if we do it um, correctly. So then when should kids be introduced to horror at home? I think the kids should be introduced at horror home when they say they should be, when they say, when, when they are already uh, attracted, when they feel that they're interested. And I think it's actually, and this is my personal opinion, they should start being introduced to it as soon as they are afraid of the monster under the bed. So we're talking about ages between three and five when they start thinking about this monster under the bed, when they start fearing the dark. I mean, this is a natural reaction that is a sign of being mature. It's a sign of starting getting uh, our brain starts maturing and, and it needs to create this fear because if we were living in the jungle, we had we would have to be uh, we would have to be careful with what is there. We would have to uh, have fear of things. Imagine if we didn't have fear, we would even be even worse human beings than, than what we already are for some things. So why just to keep uh, fear, horror, books, scary books for Halloween? Well, no. Um, do that gradually. Try to use, um, expose your children to reading things that they like in the horror space. All year round so watch things with them on television you know my kids watch with me things that maybe some people think that they're not really appropriate but as long as they can take it as long as they are not they don't have nightmares sometimes you cannot control always what they're watching on their mobile phones and sometimes they're scared of this the, the, the stupidest thing that you can imagine the most stupid thing sometimes they might be scared of a meme that they see you can't control that because these things sometimes pop up on their phones and so can you actually remove completely fear from them and them having nightmares no but it wouldn't be normal it wouldn't be natural it wouldn't be healthy so watch it with them talk about it don't leave it on a corner like if it was pornographic almost um i used to look forward to certain programs when i was a kid and i used to watch them with my mom and i love those moments because it was a special moment we would you know we would hide we would get our blankets and and go under our duvets while watching this dracula or when while watching certain films and i was introduced to edgar Allan poe and i was introduced to these fantastic other writers thanks to my mom and these programs and then later on in life when i was interested about them i already had an idea and i already knew something about it so i had been ready for it as I had been ready for Shakespeare and I had been ready for other things that later on also were attractive um, for me. So balance, talk about it at home, uh, read with your kids, uh, find these other books in the market. Now it's a lot easier to find uh, writers who write horror, ghost stories, there's, some, there's more variety. But you can also think about your childhood, the things that you liked and go and find these books that are still there, go and find these programs and even have a laugh at the, the, the effects, yeah, because they are hilarious some, sometimes. So, you know, things evolve, things move on, and you can also laugh at the, as I said, the special effects that can be quite hilarious. But then we are left now with the schools. What about schools? What should they do? Well, 
in an ideal world, I think that schools, when they talk about the genre, genres in general, they should actually uh, talk about all the genres, not just the same ones all the time and, and emphasize poetry and emphasize this author, that author, prose and always find the same type of books and sometimes the classics and what about modern writers what about wonderful books like this one the old one and the sea what about these people that are actually building something based on a classic for example and that's fantastic because then we're going to be also um we're going to be wanting to read the classic and what this was based on maybe not straight away because uh, Cthulhu is not something for kids to read at early ages, but then maybe later on when they're older, they, they'll go, hmm, I read the old one in the sea, now I want to read what it was based on and, and learn something different and then decide if I like cosmic horror or if I don't like cosmic horror and, you know, everything that comes uh, from that. So schools, I think they should actually use more horror in classes also, in times like these that uh, we are now in pandemic times, uh, getting kids to think about situations that are uncomfortable and, and facing different ways of dealing with the problem is actually healthy because we are helping them with their critical thinking. We're making them think, we're making them analyze, we're talking about the problem, sometimes without talking about the problem directly our brains are already making all the connections, so we're helping them to think critically, we're helping them to go to all these uncomfortable spaces that the Gothic has, these places where we can find out more about ourselves, about human beings, and we can get all these mechanisms to defend ourselves when the time is right. So friends, this is what I think uh, about when talking about horror for children and why I think it still is a bit neglected and as as teachers and mentors we should actually do something about it if we can in our own spaces. I encourage you, if you're a teacher, I encourage you to do this exercise of bring more books like this in the classes and bring all your your tools, all your armory there and, and use the uncomfortable topics that can appear or they can raise uh, to talk about everyday problems, to talk about loss, to talk about grief, to talk about the fears of what is out there, is there anything out there in the space, uh, are we alone in the planet, are we not alone in the planet, you know, you can bring so much into a class by talking about this kind of fear and then read the stories that people have created and I think it's a win-win. We're helping them in many different ways. We're bringing up healthier people in into this world, and it's so much fun as well. You can choose, you can find whatever you want, and it's just it's just so much fun as well. I always find this a lot of fun because it's kind of a forbidden topic as well. So people like forbidden things. So this is it for me, friends. Uh, remember that you can download for free. You go to gothicalis.com. There are a lot of free things there, but one of the resources that you can find if you're looking for a type of glossary journal document, I have my free PDF 
that is going to be very useful for when you're watching TV, when you're reading books, to actually keep track of your work, your vocabulary. There are tips, there's instructions of um, how to use it and why is it going to be good for you. You have uh, sections to even do your own writings, your summaries. The name of that downloadable is a guide, it's a guide to track your newly acquired lexicon from your favorite books and series. And I hope you like it. Uh, once you download that, you will become part of my um, email list, which means that every week you will get updates of videos, of articles, of courses, of anything that I might do that might be of your interest. So then you don't miss a thing. It's a win-win. You get something free, I get you my list, and then we can start working on our Gothic side from then on. Your identity, remember, this is Alice in Gothic Land, a place where your soulmate is true self. This was um, You Are Gothic But You Don't Know It. And we've been talking about the old one and the sea and why I think horror should be taught more in the schools and why kids still are missing out, are still missing out. So this is it for me today. I'll see you next week. Until then, until then, be very happy and be very gothic, my friend. See you next time.